This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Carter Southway. Hello. And the Saudi era at St. James's Park has kicked off with, uh, believe it or not, a defeat <laughs> for what? the Magpies. Yeah, 3-2. I don't see how you thought it was going to be any different, to be fair. Nothing, you haven't been able to change no manager. No one thought it was going to be any different. No, no, I suppose, but... The well, pundits, the pun, the pundits maybe after been... two minutes when Callum Wilson put us ahead and there was that brief moment of, oh, maybe we've got this, no. and then it very quickly no. unraveled. It's the same team. There's not a chance to actually change anything. Um, so, yeah, it was pr- pr- pretty much expected to, to not be a win. <laughs> but as I say, we did have that at least brief bit of hope it at is... the start of the game. Callum Wilson back in the team and... Took him, what, two minutes to get on the score sheet yeah. with that great header? Well, obviously, he wanted to celebrate uh, beating his team in management. So, obviously, all the players were, like, on top-notch form. <laughs> I mean, it, it must be said, a thousand games for Steve Bruce. Now, whatever our feelings on him, that is an immense achievement, and he does deserve some credit for that. Not many managers at all can say that they've reached a thousand games. I did think some of the the praise and the sympathy for him on Sky and, and in certain other quarters has been a bit over-egged. Uh, there seems to be this widespread recognition that Newcastle are really bad, but then it never seems to fall at Steve Bruce's feet as to maybe he's part, at least part of the reason why we're not very good. And I mean, as we said, off to a great start through Callum Wilson and then it very quickly unraveled. Yeah, I mean, very, very quickly, there were two goals from uh, Ndombele and Kane in the 17th and 22nd minute. Uh, they were both excellent finishes, don't get me wrong, but I did feel that Newcastle's defence didn't exactly close them down. It, again, it was open, it just seemed too easy after that first mm. goal. Spurs just had the formula and it was every time and there was no adoption from um, Newcastle's defence. And of course, not just putting that at the players, there was no adoption, no information given from the bench that would, would solve that. No instructions seemed to be forwarded. There were no substitutes. And even in the second half, nothing changed. You know, it was a, it was a clear error on from Newcastle's defence's point of view. And still, nothing was done to, to remedy that. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I say, we, we got off to the perfect start. Get that early goal. Spurs slightly rattled. They didn't have a great first sort of 10 minutes. And then I think they sort of then realised, it's like, oh... Newcastle aren't, you know, they're not all over us in the centre of the park. They're not closing us down. They're not really pressing us. We can kind of just do what we want here. And then, as you say, with our, that coupled with our disorganised defence, as you say, it it, it was quite easy for Spurs, really, even though, as you said, two great finishes, you know, to be fair to them. But the chances were there for them. Of course, then the game was halted. Uh, shortly before half time, 
uh, of course, with that fan who required emergency medical assistance due to a cardiac arrest. Thankfully, if you haven't heard, listeners, that fan is now stable in the hospital. Uh, largely, it has to be said, from the quick reaction of the fans to uh, alert everyone to what was happening, uh, there was a lady in the crowd who immediately started giving fan CPR, and then another fan who was a, actually a doctor, Dr. Tom Pritchard, he then also quickly got over there and took over. And also, we've got to say credit actually to Spurs players, Eric Dyer and Sergio Reggion, for as they were sort of over there on that side, and when they quickly realised what was happening. Yeah, got that defibrillator over as quick as it could, which is obviously and, the life-saving. Yeah, and alerted the officials, and as they said on, on the in the punditry and on the commentary, in, in a weird way, it's almost a good thing that this happened at a football stadium where there are these fans, there are these medical personnel around. Uh, another Newcastle doctor also uh, went and offered assistance. And of course, the physios were around uh, as well. And of course, he was he was quickly put in an ambulance and, and taken off to hospital. And I said, thankfully, because it, it was quite worrying. See, well, I say scenes. Obviously, we didn't see what happened in the crowd, but you could see the reaction and, and the fact that all the players then and, were actually sent off the pitch. It wasn't just being pulled to the side. It was sent off. It was a good 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, quite quite worrying moments, especially after what happened to Christian Eriksen, of course, in the summer. But yeah, thankfully, thankfully, um, the the fan has pulled through and is stable uh, and is in improving condition. So that's that's great to hear. And then play resumed. There would have been about five minutes before half-time. Then, of course, they added seven minutes on before play was stopped. There was a a good maybe 10-plus minutes to be played. Uh, from and it's, it seems strange to go back to just talking about football now after what could have been a life or death. Yeah, I mean it, situation. I mean, to be honest, we want to be really mercenary about it. Obviously, that was a, a, a terrible thing that happened. But you know, it was in safe hands, and as soon as the players came on the pitch, he was already off to the hospital, if not already in hospital. Um, that would have been the perfect time to have a chat to your players and sort out the problems. But again, nothing changed, and you went down three-one. Yeah, young men's son. <laughs> Getting on the score sheet again, yeah, disappointing that we couldn't then make it to half time at two one down. Don't get me wrong, we still probably would have lost, or but perhaps maybe we could have salvaged a draw. You know, you never know. As soon as they had the two goal cushion, it was it was really game over then. Yeah, um, and then of course we <laughs> second half. We spoke last week, you know, about how these our Newcastle players they're fighting for their future. They're they're looking to show the ownership what they're all about. And of course, John Joe Shelby comes off the bench and he showed the ownership what he's all about. <laughs> to be fair, he's not actually done that for a while. But yeah, two red cards in I 20 mean... minutes. Oh, two red cards, two yellow cards in 20 minutes. It's not exactly great, is it? And they were blatant. There wasn't even a harsh one. It, it was blatant. They were, yep. they were deserved. I don't have any complaints. No. Um, and then yeah, it, is, it is really frustrating because yes, you didn't actually concede any in that second half. As you just said before, if we managed to make it to half time with two one, there was then obviously the chance of of a mistake from Tottenham, mm. which occurred then in the 89th minute with Eric Dyer making an own goal and it being three two. I would argue that makes it seem like Newcastle played better than they actually did, because I don't really think they were that threatening. Yeah, I think the scoreline does does flatter Newcastle. I think. Mm. I think easily if Spurs had, I mean, after the first, after the opening period, Spurs did play well. 
I think on another day they could have had another at least one or one or two more goals. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a, a much bigger scoreline by the end of that second half, the first half. Sorry, but you know, fair play, I suppose. Newcastle did something, but it also looked like Tottenham had literally just taken their foot off the gas um, and were just cruising at that point. So yeah, but again, still without a win this season. The number of teams that are in that boat with us is slowly dwindling or rather quickly dwindling. It's a massive concern. Uh, As you said at the top of the show, the owners might have all the money in the world, but they can't spend any of it until January at the earliest. We could could be completely adrift by them. Yeah, and January is always one of those awkward transfer windows. It just seems like there's either people who are maybe going to stick it out for the end of the year or... Their contract runs out at the end of the year, so that'd be easy to buy. So it's a January just to seem like a bit of, a, of an odd one. There never seems to be as much business during that window than there is in the main one. So we we can hope. We can we can hope. I mean, what what we should at least see is something rather than nothing. So that that's going to be that's going to be the interesting part. Of course, Newcastle now have just won seven games in their last thirty-eight. So that is the equivalent of an entire. Premier League season, you're going to go down with only seven wins in a Premier League season. And again, I think this is why some of the defence and sympathy for Steve Bruce, for example, on Sky, does slightly rub me up the wrong way. I get that he's a popular figure in the media, uh, in, well, in terms of like other pundits and um, you know other people within football. I get that he's he's a nice bloke to have around. But ultimately, seven games in 38 is a pretty shocking record. And frankly, he does deserve much of the criticism that he gets from Newcastle fans. Let's put it in perspective. Ole Gunny Solskjaer, he's under pressure. And and where are Man United? Not bottom. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to put it in perspective, Solskjaer has taken a lot of flack, rightly or wrongly, more more often than not, rightly. Um, And yes, he has a better team because they have more money and they've had investment. Yes, that is true. I mean, yeah, it's different levels and expectations. Yes, yes, it is. Don't get me wrong. However, I don't think you should be expecting Newcastle or fans should be expecting Newcastle to not win any bloody games in their season. Yeah, it's, it's, so not, it's not too much to ask, is it? No, um, I th- and I think that that that's where there is this issue. Um, yeah, Man United aren't top of the league, and yeah, that might be where some Man United fans think they belong, but realistically, they ain't. They ain't gonna be there. Um, but he's still under a lot of pressure, and I know they lost again this weekend, but and there's lots of issues, but it's not Newcastle issues at the moment that they still have that opportunity to win they've got quite a good goal difference um they have some really good games they have some really poor games and it's a consistently seen that needs to be sorted there whereas Newcastle are consistently poor mm. so yeah I think I think I think that just needs to change a little bit and of course Bruce was in the dugout after a week of pretty intense speculation and quite a few reports that he was going to be imminently sacked. At time of recording, listeners, uh, he is still in the job, though. Again, they can't sack him until they've, got a, until they've got a replacement. What are they going to do? Put the put the second coach. You need to keep him until someone pops up. Uh, but of course, in the press conference 
before the Tottenham game, uh, Brucey decided to hit out at the media uh, <laughs> ahead of the game. He said, I hope you're feeling the heat from your bosses uh, because it hasn't happened, has it? What what you all wanted. Oh, can I just say though, Brucey, I hope you're all feeling the heat of your bosses because what everybody wants is a fucking win. <laughs> and that hasn't happened yet, has it? Well, yeah, let me finish. <laughs> I mean, he said, uh, he also said, let's hope you're getting a bit of stick from the people who put you in charge. The information was wrong, wasn't it? So you haven't done your job properly. I tried to keep my respect and dignity, which has probably served me well over the last 20 odd years, and that will remain. He also added, it's been difficult, of course, but I hope you guys are getting a slap now from your bosses to say that you haven't done your job. I mean, look, obviously it was a difficult week for Steve Bruce. It can't be easy to manage when you're seeing reports in the newspapers every day saying that you're about to be sacked. But hitting out in the press in that way, saying, I hope you guys are getting a slap, it hardly screams respect and dignity. Can I also say the irony? Okay, they're news reporters. They're not, obviously, the idea is they want to get the truth out, but there's got to be some form of speculation, and they speculated. They're not soothsayers, and also his job is to run a team of football players to win a match. So the irony is blatant here because he can't do his job. I think think that's the thing for me is this idea, and again, I get why it must be difficult to be in Steve Bruce's position, but the idea that the media ever want a manager to be sacked is ludicrous. They are simply reporting on, what, <laughs> yeah, and on the fact that he has not done a good job. That is not even really a matter of opinion at this point. That the record, his record at Newcastle speaks for itself, and they're saying it's not good enough, which it is not. That does not mean that they want him to be sacked. They are simply saying the job he has done probably warrants it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, I again, all this talk about Steve Bruce's dignity, both from himself and, again, from pundits and commentators on Sky and things like this, it really overegs it a bit too much for me and it, it rubs me up the wrong way. Uh, now, to move on to another story, which unfortunately we do have to cover, uh, Newcastle are investigating an alleged racist gesture made by an individual towards Spurs fans during the game at St. James's Park on Sunday. Uh, I'm just going to read a club statement on the matter. They said, Newcastle United is aware of an alleged racist gesture made by an individual towards Tottenham Hotspur supporters inside St. James's Park during uh, Sunday's match. Investigation is underway and the police have been made aware. Our message is clear. Football is for everyone. Discrimination has absolutely no place in football, in the street, online or in wider society. We will not tolerate it under any circumstances. Uh, the club have uh, said that they're going to pursue the strongest possible action against anyone involved in discriminatory behaviour and support any efforts by the authorities to secure a criminal conviction. And look, we're not going to spend very long on this. We've seen this in, as we've talked about many a time online, from fans of all walks of life and from all fan, uh, all clubs and countries and nations. And, oh God, it, it just has to stop, to be honest. There's not really much more that we can say. And, yeah, I, I highly doubt that the person responsible here is listening to this. But just to make it perfectly clear, 
if you're going to make racist gestures towards anyone or, or online or, or anything like that, you're not welcome at St. James's Park. You're not welcome in wider society. Get lost, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Right, so on Monday, Premier League clubs voted for a temporary freeze on clubs signing commercial deals linked to their owners. And this means it does prevent Newcastle from signing a very, very lucrative sponsorship deals with Saudi businesses. Um, yep. I mean... <laughs> so obviously 18 clubs voted for this measure, uh, which, as you said, is only temporary. Currently they are they are fighting for rules to be changed to make it permanent. Can I just laugh that the, the people who are involved in wanting this are the two massive oil clubs, now Newcastle <laughs> and Manchester City. Yeah, obviously Newcastle voted against this measure and Manchester City abstained. Basically, they realised it was a losing battle and they didn't want to be seen as voting for it. Uh, I, I, I find it so hilarious that Man City abstained. I mean, forget Newcastle for a minute. Of course, we voted for it. Uh, but it's hilarious because this is... The bloody Etihad. This is, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is Man City 101. Yeah. Uh, and again, just to be clear, I don't actually have a problem with the clubs doing this because this is literally how City get around FFP because they have these inflated sponsorship deals with like Etihad Airways and all these other uh, companies again linked to their ownership. Having that inflated deal, that which sort of gives it an air of legitimacy rather than just, oh, it came directly from the owners, then allows them to go and spend all that money. So don't get me wrong, I am completely on board with this, but I just find the whole thing hilarious. Yeah, because all it is now is the Premier League realising that Big Six and therefore the big money makers realising... Oh, look, more competition. Let's just step in now. And yeah, it's just, it does, it's, it's massive hypocrisy. Yeah, again, as I say, although I'm fully on board with this, it does seem a bit rich. It's far too late. It's far too late. Isn't uh, it? For the Premier League to be stepping in now, uh, or, or the certainly the top clubs in the Premier League, because at the end of the day, they're just afraid of a bit of competition. Uh but again, ultimately, as I say, I don't think clubs should be allowed to do this. So. No, because I think it is, it's skirting the rules. I don't like loopholes anyway. I think if there's a rule, just bloody stick to it. It's called fairness. Yeah. Um, don't try and find a way around it and say, oh, yeah, but it's illegal. It's like, yeah, but it's not really morally right, is it? Um, so but yeah, let, let's not give these big clubs credit. They've not done this out of the goodness of their hearts. And no. frankly, I'm surprised they didn't do it when Manchester City... We're coming along and doing it, but I think it and shows they were just, one of the first, though, weren't they? They were one of the first well, teams the thing, to do it, and it shows just how scared they are now of another club, and happens to be Newcastle. It could have been anyone. It could have been Everton. It could have been Leicester. It happened to be Newcastle. It's just going to be one of those things where it's just become more narrowed down, more and more and more, until it boils down to the teams that are the richest, which it's already doing. Um, and yeah, for, yeah, the Premier League. Don't get me wrong, the Premier League has probably got the most competition out of all the leagues. Um, internationally at this point in time that doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way I think we need to be aware of what we've got and try and preserve it because it's not always going to be that it's not always going to be an actual fair dues for the rest of it the rest of the teams it's going to start being like it's just the same teams again and again and again and again and I think we just need to be really really careful of um, where this is going Yep, and I mean, as we talked about last week, how Newcastle are potentially going to get there 
we talked last week a lot about the rights and wrongs of that, and we will continue to do so because, as you heard last week, listeners, we're not exactly pro-Saudi on this podcast, and we're not exactly pro-takeover, as happy as we are to see the back of Mike Ashley. But yeah, yeah ultimately... But what also sounds is the fact that Ashley's now swimming on a pod and his money. Ugh. Well, we've had to deal with the fact that he's a billionaire anyway, so this doesn't really make much of a difference. He's got a bit more pocket money to go power drinking with. The less said about that man, the better. Anyway, <laughs> another thing we spoke about last week, listeners... It's Jose! He's here! He's up. I told you! He's doing it, it's I've, happening. I've said this it's multiple happening. times. I know it's going to happen. That You can't escape this. He's going to come back. He's going to be a knob. Uh, it's going to be even more toxic, um, but what it's going to be is going to uh, a magical roundabout of of Jose Mourinho taking all the all the flack from about just about everything. I mean, exactly. I think he will, but it, I think he's going to have to wait and see. I think I think if 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 the money gets put into the club, I think he'll be happy to join. Um, if it, that's in obviously in the January transfer window, I don't. I feel that he's not going to do come before. Yeah, well, exactly as predicted, listeners. Uh, let me just actually tell you the story before we, before we talk about it. Jose Mourinho, already talking up that Newcastle connection. Uh, when asked about the Magpies, he said, on oh, Newcastle, I don't have anything to say. Absolutely nothing to say. I mean, yes, I mean, yes. Then he proceeds to say, yeah. the only thing I can say is that for many, many years, I worked with one of the most important figures in the history of Newcastle, Sir Bobby Robson. And so because of that, I've always had a bit of an emotional connection with that city and that fan base, but it's nothing more than that. And he insists he's happy at Roma. Yeah, but Roma aren't happy with him. <laughs> this is the same thing every time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in fairness, he's probably not just bringing it out of the blue. I suspect he has been asked about it in a press conference. But yeah, it, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? it oh, me this is me. nailed on. Yeah. Jose to Newcastle. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, just as you were saying before, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would obviously take him over, say, Steve Bruce. I mean, I'm... would you really? Because you know yes. what happens every time. I still would take him. He would still improve the team significantly <laughs> but compared then, to Steve Bruce. But then he Do knows, I want him? But then he no. knows dive that team into a mountain like he does every time. He's like, oh, look, look, we're going up, we're going up this mountain, we're making real progress. And he's like, no. Yes, but a Mourinho nosedive is higher than Steve Bruce's peak. <laughs> so, again, just to be clear... No, I don't want Jose. Yes, he would be a million times better than Steve Bruce. But again, we know how it will end. Maybe, maybe he becomes the man to deliver Newcastle a trophy, which he would absolutely love. But really, and even if he does, it's going to end in a shower of toxicity. But at some point in the next few years, mark my words, listeners, Jose to Newcastle oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think you're going to get it against Palace. I think they're playing quite well. Yeah, I mean, look, they've only got the one win this season, but honestly, I think they've had a pretty decent start under Patrick Vieira. I mean, you, you look at the results they've actually got, they've only lost twice in eight games, and those came against Chelsea and Liverpool, who've had... Amazing Liverpool start. especially have had very, very good starts the mm. season. They beat Spurs, and the teams they've drawn against, Brentford, West Ham, Brighton, all of whom have had really good starts to the season. And 
teams that not necessarily have had the best of starts to the season, but teams that you would still expect to beat Crystal Palace, Leicester and Arsenal. I'm sorry, why have you thrown Arsenal in there? <laughs> Put that in the previous bracket. <laughs> well, no, because they've not had a good start. <laughs> yeah, but I also never expect them all the other time. Okay, can they be their separate one? Because they haven't had a great start, but I never expected them to to to, <laughs> to, to draw or win. <laughs> so yeah, honestly, it's going to be a tricky trip to Selhurst Park for the Magpies. Eagles versus Magpies, who wins? Eagles. Clearly the Eagle. <laughs> Why did you even ask that question? Come on. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So in your last nine meetings, you've won four times, lost three times, and drawn two. So yeah, it could go either way. But, sense, but but no, you're going to lose. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Palace have shipped 13 goals this season, so they're also not great at the back. Um, Newcastle are worse with the 19. However, yeah, you know, 19 conceded. Yeah, also like, not, it's not great, is it? No, I, and who? I mean, other than Wilson, who's actually going to score? Yeah, I mean, look, we've got Wilson back, so obviously that will always be a big boost to our chances in any game. And I think there could be goals on both sides, as as we said. Neither team brilliant at the back. Both reasonable going forward with 10 goals apiece. I think there could be goals in this game. At best, I can only see us getting a draw, though, with the way we're playing. I think it's going to be a tough one. Mm, yeah, OK. If we're, going to, if we're going to be positive, a draw. <laughs> Two all draw listeners, you hear? Two all? One and one. At best. Oh, well, we've just said there might be some goals in the game. 1-1. One, 2-1. One. Okay. <laughs> We're going to lose 2-0 now, listeners. In the meantime... Yeah, that's yeah. Mm. <laughs> In the meantime, if you could, please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review. Uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Until next time as well, this has been Magpies Unrestricted and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.